Good morning. I got to tell you, I saw something incredibly exciting. At least it was for me. I'm sure it would be for you as well. I, uh, you should know this. If you don't, at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings, we pray. Yeah? Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. in my office, we pray. There's a group of people that are gathering for prayer. And uh, so what was really cool for me this morning is I I got to pray a little bit with them, and then I had to come up here and and do some things. And I went back down into my office. I was going to go into my office, and I peeked through the window first, and I realized they were still praying. And it was like 10 o'clock. For an hour, there was prayer going on. And I don't know about you, but that is incredibly encouraging to me. Because I really do buy into that statement, little prayer, little power, much prayer, much power. Today is an opportunity for us to come together, and it's an opportunity for us to understand more about who God is and to love one another better, and that is only going to be possible through Him, through His power. we got to pray for that. Whatever, right? We do have to pray for it. So it was very encouraging. And I want to give you uh, uh, an opportunity. You have an opportunity to gather together for prayer this coming Wednesday night at 6.30 right in this very same place. It has been set aside an hour there just to simply pray for our national leaders as well as local leaders. And so that is what it is about Wednesday night at 6.30 So please, 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 we need to go before the Lord. We need Him to be at work. And so we need you to show up so that we can pray together as a church family. 6.30 this Wednesday. Also, some other opportunities that are in front of us. This is incredible news. This is incredibly amazing news. This should also bring excitement into your own heart. And if it doesn't, then... Check your pulse, because maybe you're not with us. But the Boys and Girls Club out at Warm Springs has invited CEF to come out there and do a five-day club. Huh? Out at Warm Springs. They have an incredible opportunity to take the gospel out there. They've been doing it in uh, release time. And now they get this opportunity for five days out there, and it's coming up August 1st through the 5th. So here's what you can do. Pray, 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 help, 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 and bake, bake, bake. How about that, right? So definitely be praying, and if you are interested in helping, see Phyllis Moore. But what we really need is cookies. They anticipate 80 to 100 kids showing up through that week. Huh? And, and in order for them to hear the gospel, they need good food. So they need your cookies. So please talk with Phyllis. Get cookies made. And then another opportunity we have as a church is to be involved in the Our Community Service Project, which is happening August the 6th. The 6th of August at Sahaley Park, and uh, some of you already know this, you've been a part of it before, but it, it's our, the church, the church in Jefferson County coming together as the church, as the body, and seeking to love on people in Jesus' name. 
Starts at 9 a.m., goes till 4 p.m., and there's different free services provided for those who need those services in the community. There are, there's a prayer booth that takes place, there's music that goes on, and here's how our church can specifically help. In the past, last year, our deacons showed up at 4, and they helped clean up and put things away. And now they're inviting you to join them, because uh, as you can well imagine, it's a pretty big t- uh, uh, project. And so at four o'clock on the sixth, the deacons could use your help. Along with the sixth, the next day is the seventh. See how good I am at math? Six plus one, seven, yeah. So the seventh is the our community worship service. After having been together on that Saturday, then all the church is going to come together in a worship service at Sahaley Park. And so we will not have any services here. We invite you to be there at 10 a.m. for a worship service. Pastor Brigham Brown from Living Hope is going to be presenting the word. Daryl Sumner from uh, A New Life uh, is, is going to be leading us in worship. And so uh, we just encourage you to be there 10 o'clock on the 7th. Okay, and then on the 14th, have you got enough? On the 14th is a barbecue right here, okay? So those are some things just to make you aware of and and hopefully encourage you with. Today, we get to open up the Word of God together. And I am excited because I think what we're talking about today um, is something that is almost taboo to talk about. We don't like talking about it. We want to talk about brokenness this morning, and I'm sure you're thinking right now, I'm not broken, and if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? So don't preach to me, pastor. Well, we'll find out. Would you pray with me as we open? Father, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the truth that it is to us, that it is foundational, that it is not, it's not something that we can take or leave, but it's something that you've communicated to us, and it is something from you for us Today, Father, I pray that these would not be mere words that we read in a book, but that we would hear from you today through these words, that it would be you speaking to us, and then as a result, us responding to what you have said. Father, I pray today that your Holy Spirit would have free reign, that he would convict, that he would encourage, that he would bring challenge where it's needed, that he would reveal things in our own hearts and lives today. And I pray that Jesus would be lifted up through all of this, and that through it all, you'd be glorified. Thank you, Father, for our time today, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, you probably know this, but Humpty Dumpty, he sat on a wall. That poor Humpty Dumpty, he had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men, they just couldn't put Humpty back together again. And as he laid there in pieces on the floor, the question is, what do we do with Humpty? What what would we do with Humpty in our culture today? And I, I think of at least two things. We would call him a weakling, right? Because in our culture, brokenness is weakness, so we would see him as somebody who is super fragile and frail and, and cracked and broken. And, and we would say, this guy is weak. After all, it's the survival of the fittest, 
right? And if you want to get anywhere in life, you show no brokenness whatsoever because that's weakness. So brokenness is weakness. We also probably be tempted today to dispose of old Humpty. He's shattered on the floor, and so many things in our culture are disposable today. And, and so we would just sweep up his pieces and we'd throw it in the trash, right? We have, we have things that are intentionally disposable. We have disposable razors, disposable diapers, which we're thanking the Lord for disposable diapers, right? I remember my mom. Anyway, never mind. So we, we even have this notion in our culture that, that babies are disposable. We are a disposable culture. And especially when something is broken, we think, ah, just throw it away. When the razor gets dull, just throw it away, pull out another one. When the light bulb burns out, throw it away, pull out another one. When the diaper is full, Get rid of it as far away as possible, right? And then get another one. And we have that idea that when brokenness takes place, either it shows weakness and or it reveals it's disposable. Is that true with God? Man, I would tell you today, with God, brokenness is not weakness. With God, brokenness is not disposableness. With God, brokenness is beautiful. And we see that in Isaiah 57, verse 15. Would you please turn there with me? Isaiah chapter 57, verse 15. Isaiah chapter 57 and verse 15 says this. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy... Here's what he says. I dwell in the high and holy place and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Isaiah 57, 15. What an incredible, incredible verse. Now this verse comes in the midst of a bunch of other verses. The context is this. You start back in chapter 56 and verse 9, and and Isaiah the prophet reveals that the people had leaders who were shepherds, but not very good ones. They were looking out for their own selves. They were taking care of themselves. They were looking for the next best thing. They were were wanting it to be all about them, and they weren't caring about the people of God. And so as a result, you get into chapter 57, the first part of it, and you see all that was going on, all the sin that was going on there, including children being sacrificed. This was going on. And it's because the leaders didn't take their responsibility seriously, and then the people started turning away from God. But in the verse 50, or chapter 57, verse 14, we read of this time where God is going to revive that people. And it starts in verse 14 with this, And it shall be said, Build up, build up, prepare the way. Remove every obstruction from my people's way. Why? Because God is going to do a work. And then verse 15, For thus says the one who is high and lifted up who inhabits eternity whose name is holy I dwell in the high and holy place and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lonely lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite God foretells 
through the prophet Isaiah of this time when revival is going to break out. Now I know there are a lot of people from our church who are praying for revival to break out. I shared with you last week that in South Carolina, revival is taking place. Burlington, South Carolina. A revival is happening. People are coming to Christ. People are repenting of sin. People are turning to Jesus. And that community is being changed. And dear church, wouldn't you love to see that here? There's been a group that have been praying for revival for a many number of years now. And we're going to continue to pray for revival. And we invite you to pray for revival with us. Here's what God is saying to that nation of Israel. Revival's going to happen. It's going to happen. But verse 15 is key in that revival. Verse 15 speaks of an attitude that His people need to have. An attitude of being lowly, and contrite, of being humble, of being broken, if you will, before God. And so what I'd like to do is just looking at this verse, verse 15 of Isaiah 57, I would like us to see three aspects of brokenness that are revealed to us. Three truths about being broken, of having that attitude of humility and and lowliness and contrition before God, of, of, of revealing how broken we are and being honest with Him about the truth of us before Him. I want to see three aspects of brokenness. And the first is simply this. Brokenness is awareness. Brokenness is awareness. Now, first of all, brokenness is awareness of the greatness of God. Notice how verse 15 starts. For thus says the one, that is God, and notice how he is described, who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. He is revealing himself to his people in the first part of verse 15 here. It is, he wants us to have an awareness of who he is. And this awareness is pretty amazing, wouldn't you say? See, he, he is described here in three different ways. First of all, he is a God who is high and lifted up. He is far above and beyond the rest of his creation. He is high. He is lofty, if you will. Isaiah in chapter 6 The prophet, he saw him high, lofty, and exalted. And there's this this sense that God is is so much above and beyond. In fact, Scripture reveals it that, that heaven is his throne and the earth is his footstool. That's how immense he is. He's high and he's lifted up. And in the sense, there is also this understanding that he is glorious. Um, we were talking this morning as we, uh, Bob uh, Doolittle and I started to pray, we, we were talking about how glorious this morning is, the mountain shining. And, and you know, the truth is, while it is, it is beautiful, it is nothing compared to the gloriousness of God. He is far above and beyond that glory. He is high and lifted Far above how beautiful creation is. He is much more powerful than thunder and lightning, which is amazing to me. A few nights ago, we had that incredible lightning storm along with a rainbow that was even a double rainbow. And and then the thunder and the lightning comes and it was so powerful and mighty, yet that's just a tiny little glimpse of how limitless God's power is. 
He is much more knowing than our smartest person here on earth. God knows everything. He is high. He is lifted up. And then he says, he is the one who inhabits eternity. Okay, now listen, I blow my own mind when I start thinking about this, so I'm going to try to blow yours too. But think about it. We talk about God being omnipresent. And by definition, omnipresent means that all of God is in every place all the time. King David says, where can I go from your spirit? The answer is nowhere. I can go to the depths of Sheol, and you're there. I can go to the highest heights. You're there. God is omnipresent. He is all of him in every place at all times. But this verse is written in such a way that we have to understand, not only is he omnipresent as we have defined it, but he is omnipresent regardless of time. He is not bound by time. So here's where my mind gets blown. I'm not a genius. I'm not a physicist or whatever who studies these things. But think about this. God is not only present here in this place, all of him, but at the same time, he is completely present in our tomorrow. He's not bound by time. He's not confined to this day. He is also in our tomorrow right now as we speak. He is in our past right now as we speak. I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense. None of us can do that. Only God. But that's the idea. He inhabits. In other words, he dwells, he lives, he resides in eternity. Even right now as we speak, he is there. Whoa. But that's our God. See, if we're going to be broken before him, we need to be aware of who he is. He's high. He's lifted up. But he's also the one who inhabits all of eternity. And then thirdly, the scripture reveals his name is holy. Now, especially in the Old Testament, when you talked about somebody's name, it was more than just what you called them. You know, I'm called Jeff, but it says nothing about me. I mean, if you say Jeff, I'll turn around and I'll say, yeah. And you might have your thoughts of who I am, but the name Jeff does not give any description of who I am. It, the name in the Old Testament, however, meant something. When you spoke of somebody by their name, we often look at the meaning of that name because it often describes that person. I was thinking it in terms of, of today, you know, at Warm Springs, and, and you think of the, the Native Americans and how they would name their children due to events that took place or how they are, their, their characteristics. Well, the same is true here. This speaks of the name of God. And when he says your name is holy, he's not just saying God is holy. He's saying his very character, his very nature is holy. Now, what does holy mean? Well, two things. One, holiness has to do with sin, right? We often think of that. In fact, that's probably the first one we think of. Holiness means that there is not even a tiny little itsy-bitsy inkling of sin in our God. He does not think unholy thoughts. He does not act unholy. He is absolutely, perfectly pure. He is holy. And there's a sense in which that is true, but that's not all that that word means. Because at its root, holiness means separateness. 
that he is outside of everything that he created in this universe. He is not confounded by or, or confined rather to this universe that he created. He is outside. He is not dependent upon the universe that he created. He is far removed. He is separate from the universe. And so when we, as followers of Jesus, are called to be holy because God says, I am holy, that is that idea of being outside the norm of our society, outside the worldly perspective of things. That means we are separate from the rest of the world. We are different. We are distinct. We have a a salty flavor, as Jesus says. We shine a light that the world does not know of. See, we're, we're separate. We're set apart. And so when we speak of God and say his name is holy, we're talking his very character. After all, he is, according to the verse, the one who is high and lifted up. He is separate. So if you and I are going to be honest about being broken before God, it starts with an awareness of who God is. And dear church, you know this, so pardon me for maybe insulting your intelligence, but this is not all to be said about God, right? This is just from this one verse. As you read through the scriptures, you'll find a whole bunch more about the characteristics of our incredible God. And so what we need to do is if we're going to be broken before him, because that's what he calls us to be, lowly and contrite, it starts with this awareness of who God is. But in light of that then comes now the second part of this awareness. It's not only an awareness of who God is, but as I understand who God is, I begin to understand and become more aware of how flawed I am. See, it's an awareness of the greatness of God, but it's also an awareness of the flawedness, okay, I'm using the word ness here a lot, okay, of of us. When we come before such a holy God, we can't help but see ourselves for who we are. And if you and I are going to come broken, humble, lowly, contrite before God, it means we are not only aware of who He is, but we're aware of how flawed we as human beings are. I believe this, and so I'm going to suggest this to be true, and if you want to debate me on it, we can talk later. But I believe the root of all sin is pride. And the reason why I say that is for many things, one of them being Satan, (laughs) Lucifer, was the most beautiful created being ever, and in his pride, he rebelled against God and turned away. And I believe pride is the root of all sort of sin. And, 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 And if you and I are going to avoid pride, it means we have to have a healthy recognition of who God is, but in light of that, we recognize, ah, I ain't nothing. I am nothing. Who do I think I am? Nothing. See, there's flawedness in us, in me, in you. We, come to be, we become more aware of that flawedness when we are more aware of how incredible our God is. And so what we need to see is that this is a, uh, a recognition. And, and I think of guys that have done this. Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6, we already talked about this. Isaiah there, as he sees God, the Lord lofty and exalted in the temple, what does he do? Woe is me! I'm undone! 
for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I reside among a people of unclean lips. See, he recognizes his flawedness. I think of John on the island of Patmos, the apostle, and he's there. He gets this vision of God and and, and the throne room and the Lamb, and and the Scripture reveals to us that after he sees it all, the Scripture says he fell at his feet as dead. There's this, I'm unworthy. And Daniel, when Daniel gets this vision of God, uh, Daniel says, my strength drained from me and my vigor disappeared. I was without energy before such a magnificent God. See, you and I want to do it in our pride. I was asking Mona while we were talking and and remembering one of our children, and I'm not going to tell you the name of this child, But anyway, because I didn't ask this child if I could share this, uh, but one of our children, when they were about two years old, uh, had a famous statement that this child liked to say, I do it. I do it. And it was everything. I do it. I want to tie my shoes. Well, didn't know how to tie shoes, but wanted to tie shoes. And so we'd let this child tie shoe and pretty soon she's trying and she's getting mad she's getting upset and she's trying finally she's so mad she's in tears but i do it she wanted to oops this child wanted to fix her their own hair and and would get mad i do it but mona couldn't help and pretty soon the anger would come i do it isn't that a lot like us in our pride i do it i do me i can do it god i got this Thanks for salvation. You saved me by dying on the cross, but from now on, I got it. I do it. And we buy into this religious stuff where I do or don't do to make him pleased with me. See, when we come to a full awareness of who God is and how great he is and how flawed we are in light of him, that's when we are broken before him. Brokenness is awareness. It's awareness of how great our God is and how flawed we are. But secondly, out of this passage, I want you to understand that brokenness is surrenderedness. When I am broken before God, that means I realize that I can't love well enough for God to be pleased with me. That I can't do enough for Him to be pleased with me. That I, can't, that I can't be enough for him to be pleased with me. That I can't know enough or be kind enough. That I am flawed. I can't do it. Instead of saying, I do it, we need to say, I can't do it apart from you. See, when we come to that point, that's when surrender happens. That's when we stop saying, I do it. And we start saying, I can't do it, but I surrender to your will. I surrender myself to whatever you have for me, Lord, because you are great. I am flawed. And I surrender myself. Take me. Use me as you will. Right? I love what uh, Nancy Lee DeMoss says in an article that she wrote on revival and brokenness. I don't, actually, I think her last name is something different now, huh? She got married. What? Sure, woggle, woggle, wad, yeah, you know. 
When she was Nancy Lee DeMoss, though, she wrote this article, so I'm going to use that name. She says this, listen. Brokenness is not a feeling. Rather, it is a choice, an act of the will. It is not primarily a one-time experience of crisis, though there may be crisis points in the process of brokenness. Rather, it is an ongoing, continual lifestyle. She goes on, Brokenness is a lifestyle of agreeing with God about the true condition of my heart and life as He sees it. It is a lifestyle of unconditional, absolute surrender of my will to the will of God. A heart attitude that says, yes, Lord, to whatever God says. Brokenness means the shattering of my self-will so that the life and spirit of the Lord Jesus may be released through me. Brokenness is my response of humility and obedience to the conviction of the Word and the Spirit of God. And as the conviction is continuous, so must the brokenness be continuous. That's in an article titled, Revival in the Heart, Choosing Brokenness. I thought, wow. It's not a feeling. It's an act of my will where I am constantly surrendered to the great, awesome God recognizing that I can't do it on my own. So all I can do is surrender myself. It's an ongoing, continuous thing as I am aware of that. So brokenness, we have said, is this awareness. Awareness of who God is and who I am in light of who He is. It's this, it's this surrenderedness. Since I know who He is and I recognize I can't do it, I surrender everything to Him. But I want you to see something else from Isaiah 57. Verse 15, brokenness is also blessedness. Brokenness is also blessedness. You see, the first part of the verse reveals who God is. For thus says, the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in a high and holy place. That's our God. But notice what this high and holy, majestic, omnipotent, omniscient, um, omnipresent God says. I also dwell with him who is of a contrite heart. Or excuse me, contrite and lowly spirit. And I revive the spirit of the lonely and revive the heart of the contrite. See, brokenness is blessedness before God. In our culture, we say brokenness is weakness. We want nothing of it. But with God, brokenness is blessedness. He can't work with us until we admit how broken we truly are. Now, some of the macho guys in this place, you're really struggling with this, aren't you? You're going, I'm not broken. What are you talking about? I go out and I kill meat for meat. and I, I got everything down. What are you talking about? I'm not telling you to be a weakling. That's not what Scripture is telling us, guys, okay? But Scripture is saying that even in the midst of those things, we need to recognize it's God. It's God who provides. And we've got to come to a point where we are before Him broken, and that's when we discover blessedness there. Those who are broken will be blessed before Him. I love what Matthew 5, verse 3, Jesus is giving the Beatitudes, and he says this, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Broken. Why? For they, or theirs, is the kingdom of heaven. Wow. 
See, there is blessing in brokenness. And we need to come to terms with that. And in our, in our text today, we have two blessings that come when we are lowly and contrite, when we are broken before the Almighty. The first is, He resides with the broken. Wow! i got to tell you, i gotta, I got to remind you, we've been on this, this uh, I don't know if you'd call it series, but we've been on this theme lately about in his presence. And that's why we came, I, that's why I chose this verse, because look at what it says. He dwells in this high and lifted up place, but he also dwells with those who are broken before him, who are lowly and contrite. You want to be in his presence, come to him in brokenness, not in pride, not saying, I do it, God, but saying, I can't unless you empower me to do it. See, there's this idea that he, he resides with those who are broken. And what's amazing here is you stop and think, who here can reach the heights of God? Who here? He says, I dwell in these high and lofty places. And the, and the understanding in this verse is none of us can reach that. So what does it take? It takes an almighty creator God who is holy and just and righteous to also be loving and gracious and merciful who is willing to stoop down and to go to the cross and to die in our place and to raise again on the third day. See, that's what he did so that he could dwell with us. See, we can't reach him, but he has done something so that he can reach us. The Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That there's none righteous, no, not even one. And that sin, as we come to understand, separates us, keeps us apart from him. But God has done something about that. So we can come to him even in our brokenness. And when we respond to the truth of the cross of Jesus Christ in faith, guess what? He dwells. He resides right here. Because I have put my faith in Jesus and Jesus alone for my hope of eternity in heaven. He's residing right here now. He dwells. The promise is true. <laughs> He dwells in this high and lofty place, but also with those who are willing to admit their sinners and before him and receive them, him as their Savior. He dwells. But notice what else? He revives. He revives the spirit of the lonely, revives the heart of the contrite. Oh my goodness, I get excited about this. And, 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 and I guess I gotta, I gotta think in terms of, of aliveness. You know, you think of revival, and it's one of those words we throw out a lot, and a lot of people think of revival as the tent meetings, you know, and the fiery preacher that's, you know, uh, God uh, said, uh, and you uh, gotta repent. Uh. I've always kind of wanted to try that. But that's what they do, and, and, <laughs> and we often think of revival meetings in that, but is that real revival? Oh, revival can happen through that. I'm not putting that down by any means, but revival is this renewal of life. You've got to think of being revived. It means you once were alive, but now you're not, and it's this renewal of life. It's a life-giving thing. Thing, and those that have been revived are alive more than ever before. 
And when it says he revives the heart of those who are contrite, those who come before him in humility and in brokenness, guess what he does? He takes those broken pieces and he brings life. He gives life to those who are broken before him. Oh, there is blessedness in brokenness. Christ, here's the point, Christ turns brokenness into blessedness. Jesus Christ turns brokenness into blessedness. And so today, I want you, with that thought in mind, to take care of brokenness in your life. Here's where we get personal, folks. I don't normally do this, and maybe you're going to not want me to walk to church anymore, but I was walking to church this morning and praying and talking to the Lord, and this idea came. Now, if it's of Him, that's what I believe it is. If it's of me, bear with me, but I do believe it's of Him. I believe God wants us to deal with brokenness in our life right here, right now. This, this sermon will be a waste if we just walk out of here going, oh, that was great, I, I agree with everything that was said, but we do nothing with it. So I'm going to ask you to do something today. In the back of the pew that's in front of you, there should be these little white cards. Giovanni uh, Martinelli helped Mona put these in there. So thank you. He's probably not here, huh? Okay, you can thank him for me, will you? So there's these little white cards in the back of the pew in front of you, and I would ask you to take that out. Each of you there, I think there's about six in each pew, five or six or something like that. So if you don't have them all in the pew, just just grab one from around. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do, though. What area of brokenness in your own life do you need to bring before the Lord in a lowly and contrite manner? See, if brokenness in Christ is really blessedness, then let's take our brokenness to Him today. And let me just suggest some things. As I think about brokenness and and what I've experienced and what I've uh, had opportunity to help other people with, I, I think of brokenness as a result of our past. You know, there's things that happen in our past when we're kids or when we're teenagers or when we're young adults, things that have happened that bring brokenness. Perhaps it's abuse, verbal, physical, sexual. Maybe that's abuse that is in your past that has brought brokenness into your heart and life. And and you have all these major scars in there. And you you, you try to overcome it. You try to put salve on that. And that salve could be all sorts of things, including alcohol and and drugs and uh, relationship after... I don't know what it might be, but you're trying to salve that, that that's in there, that brokenness. And I believe today God would say, you bring that brokenness to me. And I'll make something beautiful of it. Bring that brokenness. So maybe it is abuse. Maybe it's something in your past like you were abandoned. Maybe your parents divorced and one or the other or maybe both rejected you. They never saw you again. And maybe you've been carrying that around and and that's brokenness to you and it hurts every time you think of it. Today I would encourage you, bring that brokenness to the Lord. He can make blessing out of it. 
Maybe it was something that, maybe you just had a very, very difficult time in life. Maybe, maybe you were uh, divorced. Maybe somebody divorced you and, and, and that brought that rejection. Maybe, maybe just as a youngster, you had a hard, hard life. Your parents didn't have any money or whatever it might be. Maybe it's something in your past. But maybe it's something that you're wrestling with. Something that you know is sin. And I would say this is the second category. Maybe your brokenness is sin. Maybe you know that this is wrong. I, I know when I do this, I shouldn't do this. And I do it, and then I turn away, and I repent, and I turn to the Lord, and I walk with Him for a time, and then pretty soon, guess what? I'm drifting back over. And next thing I know, I'm back into it. And I confess it again, and I try to do good, and I try to get right, and, and, I, and pretty soon I just keep going back. And maybe that's your brokenness. i got this thing that I absolutely hate, but yet I love. I can't get rid of it. It's a temptation that overcomes me. Maybe that's your brokenness today. Maybe the Lord is saying, you come to me in brokenness with that sin, and you watch what I'll do. Maybe your brokenness is what I would call religion. It's religion. You, you bought into the idea that Christianity is all about do's and don'ts. All about being and not being. And what you do is like one of our kids that I have not named, who says, I do it. That's what you're trying to do. You're trying to live out a Christianity in your own strength. You're saying, if I can do things that I'm supposed to do, God's going to be pleased with me, and I'm in a good standing with him. If I can avoid the things that I'm not supposed to do, then I'm in a good standing with God, and, I, and, and I'm working, and I'm trying to do all these things so as to make God happy with me. That's religion, when I'm focused on the do's and the don'ts. And I believe that's why Jesus, our Savior, says in Matthew eleven twenty. All you who are labor, who labor and are heavy laden, I believe he is speaking of religion because he's talking to Jews. And they had like 300 and some commands that they had to follow to the detail. And you want to talk about laborious. That is. And Jesus says, no, you come to me if you're chasing religion and you're trying to do it in your own strength to be good enough and and to avoid those bad things, then guess what? You are heavy laden. Jesus came to set us free. Let me say that again, church. Jesus came to set us free free from those things. That's why Jesus says, come to me. If you're laboring and you're heavy laden with all these things, guess what? I'm going to give you rest. You take my yoke, my teaching, my grace upon you, and you'll learn from me, and we'll do this thing together. Boy, we, should, we, we need to camp on that for a little bit more. We don't have time, so maybe that's next week's sermon. But, but I think we get caught up in religion, and maybe religion is your brokenness. I'm trying in the best of my strength and might to do these things, and I'm so tired. I'm exhausted. And Jesus says, no, come to me. Guess what? My yoke is easy. If you're exhausted and that brokenness is there as a result, bring that to Him. So maybe your brokenness is is one of these things. Maybe your brokenness is, is uh, uh, fear that, that paralyzes you. I, I am still working on this. I always play the what if game. In fear, I go, well, what if, what if, what if? 
What if, what if this happens? And that fear can paralyze me at times. That's my brokenness before the Lord. It's not right, I know, because where fear is, faith can't coexist. It's either faith or fear. I'm called to live a life of faith. I don't know what your brokenness is. I'm just naming off a few. But here's what I'd like you to do right now as the worship team comes and as I close this in prayer, I'd like you to write on your little card what it is, what is your brokenness. Might be some of these things that we mentioned. It might be something else. But as you write that on your card, then I'm going to ask you to do something that we don't often do. We often call up here the altar, and it's the idea of, of, of doing something physically and coming forward in such a way as though you're not coming before me or the worship team, you're really coming before the Lord. And so with those cards that you write your brokenness, don't write your name on it. But just bring it up here, and there's little plates. There's a basket and three little plates up here. Just drop that in there. And if you want to spend time praying up here and releasing your brokenness to the Lord and allowing Him to work in your shattered pieces, bringing life to them, do it. Stay up here. Pray. We're going to sing. You can worship whatever you need to do. If you want to drop your card and go back and do that, do it. Whatever you need to do, let's bring our brokenness before the Lord, recognizing that Christ turns brokenness into blessedness.